I have been asked to address a town meeting. I've never addressed a town meeting before. The first. I am not. You were not called together to find out that I will be running for president of the United States. I am starting an organization. And my organization is Jews for the Jews, for Judaism. And I want to begin for a moment with a vote, with an internationally renowned vote on this week's parsha. At the beginning of the parsha, Yaakov Avinu is going to meet Esau. And he doesn't know what Esau has cooked up for him. Esau already said, Yikruvu yemei evel ovi, the day is going to come that my father will die. I'm going to take Yaakov out. So Yaakov Avinu fervently prays HaKadosh Bohu, he davens HaKadosh Bohu, Hatzileini no... Miyad Ochi, Miyad Eso. Please, Rebbeinu Shalolam, save me from my brother. Save me from Eso. And the Beis Halevi, the renowned Beis Halevi, he asks the very simple question. Yaakov Avinu is praying to HaKadosh Bochu. HaKadosh Bochu knows full well that Yaakov Avinu has only one brother. He knows exactly who that brother is. He knows his name. Why did Yaakov Avinu have to emphasize Atileni no miyad ochi miyad eso? It would have been enough to say even miyad ochi or to say miyad eso. Atileni no miyad ochi or miyad eso. So the Beis Halevi answers that Yaakov Avinu had two fears that he was being stalked by. One fear was that he would run into Esau and Esau might kill him. But on the other hand, he had another fear that may have been even greater. And he was afraid of his brother. What does that mean? He was afraid that for some reason Esau may find a way of befriending him. Or he may become friendly with Esau. And that's the worst thing in the world for Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu has to be separate from Esau. They can't be one. Yaakov, when Yaakov when Yaakov goes up, Esau goes down. When Esau goes up, Yaakov goes down. We can't be one. So that was Yaakov Avinu's fear. Hatzileini no miyad ochi, miyad Esau. Save me from Esau, save me from my brother. By no means, Hashem, save me that I shouldn't become one with my brother. I don't want to befriend my brother. I don't want to be close to my brother. I want to stay away. I'm not, I'm not a goy. I'm not a goy. And because of this, the Torah Daisha, our very, very special Torah, that even though sometimes, you know, I understand that there are people that sometimes they get upset. Maybe they went through different 
They had different tests over the years, different situations came upon them. Maybe there were some Jews sometimes that didn't treat them properly. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a Rebbe, maybe it was community. But just one thing, don't ever make the mistake of judging Judaism by the Jews. Judge Judaism by the Torah. Because the Torah is a beautiful Torah. And one of the mitzvahs that the Torah teaches us in the Torah that we're not allowed to do is that when we take haircuts, we have to be specifically careful about keeping our payas. I'm not talking about that you have to pay us as long as uh, some of the people in the room over here. It doesn't have to be quite that long. But not to chas v'sholem imashkes the payas, as well as pa'as hazokon. Right? That we're not allowed to use a blade on our faces. Right? And the reason for this is, is because this is the way the goyim do. And we are not goyim. We are yidin, Bo Hashem. We are fortunate to be yidin. And here we have our... And don't forget, you know, this is the time of the year that we are commemorating in the world the anniversary of Kristallnacht. Kristallnacht was, came together with the Nuremberg Laws. And as we mentioned, those of us that went to Poland, the famous Reb Chaim that Reb Chaim said that if the Jews are not going to make Kiddush, if the Jews are not going to sanctify themselves, if the Jews are not going to make themselves special, then the Goyim are going to make Avdola. The Goyim are going to already show that we're a separate nation. And that's what happened in Germany. The Jews became assimilated, and you couldn't tell the difference between a Jew and a Goy. You go into the, the cemetery, we went into the cemetery of Warsaw, half the Kvarim over there, half the graves look like Goyish graves. Graves of Goyim. So when that happens, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends us a reminder, and the Goyim make Havdallah. And the Goyim make Zeris, they make decrees. And they say, don't marry a Jew, which is fine by me. But they say, don't marry a Jew. Don't walk into the store of a Jew. A Jew can't sit on this bench. And that's all, that always happens. Time and after time in history. When does that happen? It happens after we try to be like a Goyim. We have to stay yitten. We have to be Remain hidden. And this is a particularly stringent transgression because the postscript teach us that for every two hairs that you take off improperly is another lab. Another lab, that means if there would be a base, if there would be a base denial, that we would be getting 39 lashes for every two hairs. I can't even begin to count how many hairs we have over here and on our faces. They're like thousands and thousands, right? And there's something very serious more so about this Aveira than other Aveiras. Because there are Aveiras like Chas I don't recommend it. But if somebody does even the worst Isurim, even immoral Isurim, Chas or if somebody eats treif, Cholila, Cholila So, when the person eats the tray, 
He does, he's not showing anybody that he's rebelling. He's not walking in the street and showing off. Take a look. I shaved my face. That's, but, but over here, when a person walks this way, he's outward rebelling against the Kodesh Baruch Hu. And that's something that's a very serious matter. That's playing with fire. And it's not Kedai to play with fire. There was one person that knew how to play with fire. Yisrael Salanta. Yisrael Salanta used to take a match, used to light it, and he would try to put his finger in. And he would try to get his finger in, and he would say, Gehenim is 60 times this. He would want to teach himself what Gehenim is, so he would play with fire. But if you don't play with fire the way that Yisrael played with fire, it's a very serious matter, because if uh, this is all right, what we're talking about, it's not going to look well in the world, it's in the world to come. I want to share with you, you know, there's a, there's stuff that's been brought down in the Sforim, the Holy Holy Sforim. Some very, very, in your language, sick stuff. <coughs> there's a story with the Ari HaKadosh and a story with the Buddha HaKadosh. The story with Ari HaKadosh is as follows. There was a big Talmud of the Ari, his name was Rabbi Yaakov Abu Lefya. Rabbi Yaakov Abu Lefya was a tzaddik, and he came to the Ari because he wanted to go to Mitzrayim. So he wanted a letter from the Ari that he's on his way to Mitzrayim, and he like a letter of recommendation. So he walks into the Ari, and the Ari Akkadah says to him, Ah, you're going to Mitzrayim, right? You need a letter from me, right? So he says, how do you know? He says, I know. So he says, okay, so go, it's a very good thing for you, go. And it's a big mitzvah. Says a mitzvah? I'm not going for a mitzvah. I'm going just for whatever. I'm going. He said, it's very important to come back to me when you, after you come back. So he went on his way. He went to Mitzrayim. He took the letter. And on the way coming back from Mitzrayim, he joined the convoy. Oh, thank you. How did you know? That's amazing. Thank you. So he was coming back. He was coming back with a convoy, and uh, one and he, he fell asleep under a tree, and the convoy left, and he ended up stuck there alone, and he was very very scared. So then he wakes up and he sees a bunch of guys plowing. Now this wasn't regular plowing going on over here. They had an ox, and the men were beating the ox. They were beating the ox. A little while later, the ox turned into a man. And the man turned into an ox. And then the men were beating that ox. And then the third guy turned into an ox, and the ox turned into a man, and they were beating the ox. And then finally, it stopped, and they started crying. And he was scared out of his wits. And they said, are you going to Tzvaz? He said, yeah, I'm going to Tzvaz. Do you know the Ari? So he says, yeah, we know that, I know the Ari. He says, go to, we beg of you, be attacking on the Shoma. Please, swear to us that you're going to go to the Ari. So they travel to Tzvaz, he travels to Tzvaz, and he comes to the Ari. And he said, the Ari says to him like this, he says to him, uh, he went to him, and then he says, one second, I just want to tell it to you exactly the way he says. So he says, uh, ah, you're coming to me about the oxen, right? So he says, uh, come tomorrow. So he says, what's this whole business about the, 
Why is this happening? Why is this happening to them? He says, you don't know? He said, you don't know how to read a Chumash? He says, I don't know. It doesn't say anywhere in the Chumash anything about oxen. What does oxen have to do with anything? He says, these people are mashkis, they're payas. What does payas have to do with oxen? So he said, it's a Mephorosh Apostle, that Rizal says. It says, Loi sakifu pa'as roishchem v'loi sashchis. So pa'as roishchem v'loi sashchis is roshetevis poros. So that's why these people turned into poros. So he told them, this is the tikkun they have to do. And he did such and such tikkun for them. He fasted the next day. And they came to him in a dream that the neshama came to Menucha. This is a story by the Ari. There's a story by Rabbi Yudah Chosid who wrote the Sefer Hasidim, right? Rabbi Yudah Chosid was already a Rishon, right? Further back, before the Ari. There was a guy in the neighborhood over there by Rabbi Yudah Chosid that didn't, he, he, he shaved him properly. He says, I'm an Istinus, I can't bear this. I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. It's something I can't bear. So he said, uh, and he warned him, he told him, you know what's going to be? You know what kind of end you're going to have? You're going to have a very serious end. He says, you're going to have oxen jumping on you and this and that. So he said, uh, whatever, I can't handle it. The guy died. And when the guy died, they were, they were, they were burying him. And he threw a petek, Rebidah Chosid threw a petek into the grave. And at that moment, the guy came up. The guy came back to life. And he said, a uh, 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 note. And the guy said, and he said, Rebidah Chosid said to the guy, tell me, well, what, what happened after you died in the last 24 hours? What's been happening? He said, you can't even understand. He said, there was this big ox that was waiting for me. It started stomping all over me. And then they took my neshama, and they put it into a jar together with asphalt and tar and fire. Right? And then they brought me in the jar to a, to the heavenly court, and they said, throw him down into the lowest part of Gehenna. And then the petter came, the, the note came into the grave, so they said, ah, they need him over there. The tzaddik called him, so he's got to go to... So you can be sure that in that neighborhood they never did this again. Right? So this is the... Now, it could be that for some of the people over here, you know, having power issues or becoming a power would be a good thing. Right? Because it could be that there's worse up there. I don't know. Right? But I don't think that that's what any of us are looking for. But this is not what I really, really want to discuss about. I just mentioned this because I just said that I, want, I wanted to give you the entire picture. So I, do, I don't want anybody to come and say, how did you talk about payers and you didn't talk about the poem? Right? I don't want to, like, you think maybe I don't know about it. I know about it. I know about it. That's not what I came to tell you. What I really came to tell you is that the way we dress, the way you didn't go, is that this, we, we, we have no way of intrinsically understanding how a Kaddish Baruch Hu looks. We don't, we don't know. Right? I learned Derek Hashem with a few guys in the morning. This is what we repeat day after day. When we talk about a Kaddish Baruch Hu, we don't know. How Hakadosh Baruch Hu, we don't know Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We only know Hakadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. How Hakadosh Baruch Hu emanates into our world. We could look up and see what He does over here, and in that Hakadosh Baruch Hu presents Himself with a zakan, because He has Yudgim Amidas Harachamim. Hakadosh Baruch Hu has thirteen attributes of mercy, and with those thirteen attributes of mercy, He brings. Shefa, influence 
of mercy into the world. And when we dress in the way that we imagine HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when we go in Tzalem Aleikim, the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu presents himself to us as having a beard, and every place on the beard represents one of, here's Kale, here's Rachum, here's Chanon, Erech, Apayim, the Emes, Noitzer Chesed. Every part of the beard represents a different mead of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Yudgimel Midas Arachamim. And when we have the beard and we go in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's ways, that brings down Shefa, influence, Rachmanus, Chesed into the world. But when we don't, Chas V'Shalom, it says in Tzfam Agdashim, that the influence goes on the contrary. It comes down into the world and it's wasted and it's shattered and it goes, goes to Chas V'Shalom to, to, to places that it, it's terrible for us. It's the worst thing possible. We have to know, you know, for many, many years ago, my, my parents were very simple, modern Orthodox people that I was brought up with. My father didn't talk much about his, where he came from. I knew about my mother's background. My mother was, came from Belzer Hasidim. You know, I know what my, they live, you know, they live, they, you know, the, the, the whole nine yards. But my father came from Lithuania. And I always thought that Lithuania were these modern guys, you know, with a white hat, you know, shaven, you know, like this, you know, cool guys, you know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to show you that then eventually we got pictures of my grandparents, of my great-grandparents from my father's side from Lithuania. And in the 1920s, these pictures were taken in the 1920s, and this is the way people dressed. There was no other way. And I was so happy to see that I'm dressing... You know, my father didn't dress this way, but hey, I look like my great-grandfather. And it reminds me, and with this I'll end, it reminds me of Yossi Valles. You remember Yossi Valles? We discussed him on the Poland trip. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly repeat the story. Uh, Yossi Valles is a guy that started Discovery. There are two books about him so far. There's going to be a third. Incredible one and Incredible too. It's very good books. Could I read it? But he tells the story. He was a guy that was a gangster. He came once to Yeshiva. He spoke for us. He was a gangster, and he came, and uh, he was a gangster in the Bronx, a mafia, a mafia guy, and uh, and then he became a successful businessman, and he came. He was here in Israel, and one day his uh, his his wife asks him to go get some uh, supper. She doesn't have koyach to cook, so he goes to Hod Lavan. He goes to the pig store. And he stands in line to go buy some dava uh, acher, to go, go buy some uh, pig. And he's standing on the line and he's waiting. And suddenly jumped into his head a story about his grandfather. And he, rem- he remembered his grandfather. And his grandfather was in, in, in one of the camps, maybe Auschwitz, maybe a different camp. And on the day that the place was being liberated, he was at Sadiq, the grandfather, and the Nazi commandant wanted to have one last fun with the, with the, with the Jews. So he calls over this, uh, this fellow, the grandfather, was a big tzaddik, and he said, here, eat some chaza. And if you don't eat chaza, I'm going to kill you. And the, it was the last day. It was the last day that they were liberated that day. And this guy refused to eat the chaza. And because he didn't eat the chaza, they killed him on the spot, of course. And now his grandson is standing online and he's waiting to go purchase for money, right? A piece of chaza. 
And he starts thinking to himself, he starts thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on over here? I mean, one of us are crazy. Either my grandfather was crazy for what he did, but I don't want to think that my grandfather was crazy. So that must mean that I'm crazy. I'm crazy. What am I doing here? Why am I standing in line here? And he, le- he left the place, and he went to Arachim Seminary that week, was his first Arachim Seminary. And after that, he became the chairman, the, uh, he is the head of Arachim. And all the Balei Tshuva that have come out of Arachim was because this one grandfather gave up his life for that piece of chazer. And so Yossi Valis says that now I know why he had to eat the chaz- why he couldn't eat the chazer, because that, from that came Arachim. And from that came all the Balei Tshuva. So I know one thing. I look at this picture and I think to myself, listen, either he's crazy or I'm crazy. Right? And I don't want to think he's crazy. They look like a nice guy. So it must be that I'm crazy. Right? I don't want to be crazy. I'm going to be like my, I'm going to be like him. Right? So this is why we're very, very careful with the way we go. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should inspire you. Even if I didn't. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu should inspire you, Emir Tashem, to dress like a Yid, to go like a Yid, and that you should derive all the benefits of being part of this special Jewish nation that we are. Amen.